Hello, and welcome to Roundhouse Crosstalk, a podcast hosted by the California State Railroad Museum. In this very special bonus episode, we sit down with Liana Tagohera about our new digital exhibit available now on our website, californiarailroad.museum. There's also a link to that in the description of this podcast. This new digital exhibit explores the Benicia train ferry, what that ferry meant for residents of Benicia, and we'll also hear about the resiliency as the train ferry is phased out in the mid-20th century. This exhibit is a part of a new series of, of student digital exhibits that offer students at the Sacramento State Public History Program a chance to create exhibits in the class that go beyond the classroom and live on in the world through our student digital exhibit program. Over the course of 2022, we will see several different exhibits showcased. We hope you enjoy. Uh, hello, listeners. Today we are speaking with Leanne Tagapera um, about the Benicia train ferry. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. Uh, so first of all, um, how did the Benicia train ferry get started? Well, the train ferry was called the Solano, and it was designed by a man named Arthur Brown, who was the superintendent for the Bridges and Buildings Department of Central Pacific Railroad. And he was asked to design it by Charles Crocker, who was in charge of construction for the railroad. There are some stories which say that Crocker was tired of the lengthy trip he had to take in order to get to Oakland, and he looked for a way to shorten it. And for that, there was a waterway in the way, and they needed a train ferry. The Solano train ferry traveled across the shortest distance between the banks along the entire Bay Area, which was this area in along the Carquina Strait, and it traveled between Benicia in Solano County and Port Costa in Contra Costa County. So, so this route avoided a very long and circuitous route that the train had to take otherwise. It would either have to go north along San Pablo Bay to get down over towards San Francisco, or it would have to take uh, what it did, a much southern and longer route. So the train ferry saved a lot of time. And so what did its operations look like? So like, how big was it? How many um, train cars could it hold? Things like that. Well, the Solano train ferry was giant in size and shape. It was a huge paddle wheel boat. And according to an article I read from the San Francisco Chronicle from 1904, it said it could carry the largest ferry boat in the United States next to herself across the Carquina Straits as easily as she carries the heaving Southern Pacific trains. Its deck was over, was 24 feet long and weighed over 3,500 tons. It handled 115,000 freight cars and 56,000 passenger cars a year. It was built for the purpose of carrying a full train of cars. So it could carry 48 freight or 24 passenger cars with the engines across the Straits of Carquinas. So it basically looked like an entire city block. If you saw it out in the water, it was huge. So one thing I found interesting is that you talked about passenger trains being ferried over as well. Mm -hmm. uh, what were people's reaction to moving on a ferry the size of a city block? Yeah, were there people in the trains while it was 
Yes. I assume they were. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So you could, if you lived in Benicia, you could actually walk over to the train station. You can hop on the ferry and you can get on a train and then you could travel over to Oakland. You can then access the trains across the United States uh, and also the ferries that went across the Bay Area. But the passengers would get out of the trains for the approximate 10-minute trip between Benicia and Park Costa, and they could see out and enjoy the beautiful hills and the waterway. And there was also a place where you can buy food and drink if you wanted and just hang out and enjoy it uh, during that, that trip there. Well, people thought of it as this engineering marvel, which it was, as the largest ferry boat in the world at the time. So some people came actually with an engineering background and they wanted to come and just look at the engines and all of the incredible machinery that they had on the site, uh, on the boat and the paddle wheel. And they wrote articles in Scientific American about just the engineering feat that this building was. And other people just enjoyed it as a, a fun trip that they could take and a, a scenic way of seeing part of California that they wouldn't have normally seen. One of the things your exhibit mentions is a particularly famous uh, person riding on the train ferry, and that was President Taft. Can you tell us a little bit about the story of, of um, Taft on the Benicia train ferry? That's true. Um, Taft and at least two other presidents rode on the train ferry and you know, on the very first trip, I just want to add that three of the big four were on the Solano train ferry. So Huntington, Hopkins, and Crocker were there uh, for the very first trip, which was a big deal. So um, U.S. President Taft was running for re-election in 1911, and he traveled across the country in what was called a whistle-stop tour. And Taft's train traveled through Benicia on the Solano train ferry and then across the Carquinez Strait and over to San Francisco and then south. When I was researching this, I found that there was an interesting side story that went along with this. So after Taft left Benicia and then San Francisco, he was going to head south, and they discovered that there was actually going to be an assassination attempt on his life. And near Santa Barbara, on one of the train bridges, a watchman saw that a man at night was attaching dynamite to the bridge that ran over the train tracks that Taft was going to be going under. And the plan was to blow up the bridge as Taft was passing. And, um, but because the watchman happened to see it, he, they were able to catch the person and take apart the dynamite. And... Uh, save President Taft. So I always thought it was pretty interesting if he came through Benicia and then if it turned out, you know, several hours later, this terrible plot happened, but it was incredibly foiled by the watchman who just happened to notice this going on. So. Oh, that's a close brush right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. You know, as far as famous people, I just want to mention in one of the photos that I found from the Benicia Historical Museum that the, there were the Pullman porters also were on the passenger trains that traveled across the Solano train ferry. Um, so, as you know, these were these highly respected African-American crews who provided service to the train passengers. So I would count them as one of the other famous people that rode on the Solano train ferry. Definitely. Do we, do we know... So I'm not sure if it would affect anything, but you know, sort of their job was to make sure everybody was staying comfortable and uh, that sort of thing on the passenger cars. 
Uh, do they have to do anything differently when they're on the train ferry? I'm not sure if that would affect. I us. saw in the picture the, the particular person was standing outside of the train near the door. So it kind of looked like maybe he was helping the, could have been helping the people get on and off mm. the train there so that they could enjoy being outside on their 10 minute trip across the water. Um, so you mentioned this being considered a technological marvel to a lot of people at this time. So was this the only ferry of this size carrying trains across the water, or was this relatively common in that time period? Well, there there were a lot of other train ferries in the United States that carried trains across waterways. The Solano was unique at its time because of it can carry the entire train with the locomotive. So some of the other train ferries when I had looked into it, they would have the, the, a locomotive on both sides and they would have to decouple the train cars from the locomotive, leave it on one side, go across the waterway, get back on with the locomotive. But the, uh, the Solano train ferry could carry the entire train, so it carried the locomotive and all of the train cars. And uh, there was a certain period that transcontinental passenger trains were lengthened and at that time they would separate, after that time they separated the passenger trains into two parts and put them on and so they would then put them back together when they went across on the other side of the train. But it was unique because of how much weight that it could carry and the length of the trains. Um, so we talked about this as a technological marvel. Um, and as you know, seems to happen with all technological marvels, eventually other technologies kind of catch up to it and eventually um, the train ferry itself was also phased out. Can you talk a little bit about um, some of the reasons why it was phased out um, and eventually what replaced it? The train ferry was phased out because a train bridge was built that replaced it. So, um, it's kind of interesting. Well, there was a second train ferry that was added, I would add, in 1915. So at one point, there were two. So they traveled 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And with the two, they would just go constantly back and forth. And in 1930, there was a train bridge that was constructed between Benicia and Martinez. This was, at the time, a $12 million bridge construction project, which I was wondering at today's value, you know, to be what, a billion dollars or something, mm -hmm. a huge amount of money they spent for that train bridge, but um, it was worth it to them because it saved a lot of time to not have to stop and then get on the ferry and then get off. They could just drive, you know, take the train straight over the bridge and around the corner. And sometimes the ferries did break down, not that often, but if they did, it was a huge inconvenience to the railroad to have to go around. If you have a train bridge, it's not gonna break down. You know. So, to Benicia at this time was losing its train station and it was basically losing its connection to the world through the train. People worked for the railroad, they received their mail through the train and you know, goods as well. So the economic and social life of the town was really negatively affected when the train and its service was lost. Uh, people had to be bused over the Carquinas Bridge to Crockett to a train station that they built there in order to catch the train. You know, think of the people who didn't have cars. They were used to being able to walk to a train station and then travel around the Bay Area or visitors could come to see them. But uh, Benicia lost its entire station. 
So it was also a matter of pride. I think the train ferry was really loved by the locals. Uh, it was, it ran for 51 years. And um, besides the local concerns about, you know, the loss of their access to the outside world and like, of course, jobs, um, in your exhibit, you talk a little bit about controversy around the naming of the bridge that replaced the ferry. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. This was really interesting when I was reaching the, researching this through historical newspapers. Well, at the time, there were proposals for different names of the bridge. Uh, one was Susun, as it's near Susun Bay. But it was proposed by business and political interests in Martinez that the bridge be called only the Martinez Bridge. And there was a meeting held in Martinez uh, without any representation by Venetians. And it looked to be this pretty big local controversy um, when people from Martinez had met with the Central Pacific and the railroad had agreed that the bridge would only be called Martinez. Uh, but people in Benicia, such as the mayor and other business interests and residents, they filed a protest, they drove over to Martinez, and they went to meet with the railroad people. And they really felt that after these years of loyalty, as they put it, you know, we were losing our station, we were losing so much, that they could at least have the name of Benicia in it, because the northern span is in Benicia. So... Uh, Protests were filed, and they were successful. Uh, what is it called now? So at the beginning, it was agreed it would be the Martinez-Benicia Bridge, uh, which I had read. But at this time, everything official I've ever read, and I just have to say I am from Benicia, so in Benicia, we call it the Benicia-Martinez Bridge. But uh, when, I, when you look online, you look at all the official everything, uh, so originally they agreed it would be Martinez-Benicia, but somehow over time it's called the Benicia-Martinez Bridge. And then later the car bridge was constructed across the strait there in 1962, and it's also named the Benicia-Martinez Bridge. So you mentioned this train ferry was sort of like a, a point of pride for a lot of people in the community, and um, it sounded like that was sort of why the final ferry run had a big commemoration and celebration. Um, can you talk a little bit about that event? Sure. So there was the very last day that the train ferries ran. It was a huge celebration. There was actually a film made of it, and I've been unable to find it. But somewhere in someone's archives, there is a movie reel of the Solano train ferry and, and the last day, and they packed it full of people. Uh, and there were parties in Martinez, so there was fireworks at night and a carnival and a parade. And... It looked like it was more subdued in Venetia. People wanted to see the train ferry and ride the train ferry, but the parades were all in Martinez. They did let the school children out of school in Martinez, and they say the hills were black with people all around the northern span of the bridge where they came to see the first train that went across the bridge. So they actually brought out the historic locomotive, the C.P. Huntington, which is actually located here in the museum, and it went across the Benicia Martinez train first. Wow. Mm. And uh, they had to have one farewell final ride on the Solano. And at the time, of passengers on that trip even included a US senator and the president of the Central Pacific Railroad. 
And they would even bring, there was a, like a child who rode on the first trip in 1879, and the person grew up, and they brought her for the last trip, and as yeah. somebody who was a worker at the beginning and at the end. So there was a lot of symbolism that they had, because it really was a part of everyday life mm -hmm. in Venetia. That's, that's really, especially at C.P. Huntington, we sometimes do story time mm -hmm. and filming on it. So mm -hmm. that's just interesting, adding to that sort of history of that locomotive. That is. Um, so what happened to the old railroad station? Is it still standing? Yes. So the railroad station is still, still there in Benicia. And we call it the old depot. And it's now listed on the National Register of Historic Places. And it is owned by the city of Benicia. It houses a group called Benicia Main Street. And that's a nonprofit that's part of the California Main Street program. And they sell uh, seize candies there and have a little visitor center. And there is a room that's going to be open to the public sometime soon so people can use that there. Uh, the ferry itself was scrapped and no longer exists. And it was scuttled and dynamited. And it sits off in the marshes in the water off of Antioch. And uh, you know, Huel Hauser came to Manisha many years ago and he did a program all about the Solana train ferry. And they took him out on a boat out there just to see the wreck. Of oh, it. Wow. I know, it, I always think it's too bad there's not a part of it and we could have mm -hmm. brought it to the museum here or mm -hmm. in Benicia and showcased it, but it's all just sitting there rotting away oh. in the water. So you mentioned a little bit earlier um, that you're from, we're well, not from Benicia, but second home it sounded like 51 years, was that right? Something no, like that. No, that's a lot of train ferry ran for 51 years. I knew I, knew I heard the word 51. Can you talk a little bit about how you got interested in this subject? Uh, sure. So uh, Benicia is my hometown, and I'm a real fan of its history. And when I was taking a class this last fall uh, with the director of the California Railroad Museum here, and I heard about the general topic of the digital exhibit, and that was to create one about the history of railroads, I thought that Solano train ferry would be perfect. And I was thinking, as you say here in the museum, our lives are made of railroad stories, and I feel that Benicia is connected to that theme through its part that it played in California railroad history. And you can see the history of the state by learning about the history of Benicia. Mm -hmm. And Benicia is also tied to the railroads through the Solano train ferry. And um, what do you th hope that folks take away from your digital exhibit? That's a good question. Um, a theme of my digital exhibit is that of resiliency. Mm. So I thought of the town of Benicia and how it was affected by the loss of its train ferry. And uh, through time, Benicia has had to reinvent itself many times as industry has left. Um, the US Army base that wasn't in Benicia closed its base. And the townspeople had to carry on and figure things out. And what I thought of is that when an obstacle presented itself, Benicia had to be resilient and advocate for itself. And in the end, the town persevered and in fact prospered while also valuing and protected uh, a lot of its history and California's history. And I personally like to put a positive spin on things and I ended my digital exhibit about the town being grateful for the glory days of the Solano train ferry. The exhibit overall and sort of your work on this at least for me personally, has, has helped sort of understand the place of like local histories in the railroad a little bit uh, more clearly because it is focused on you know Benicia and, and their experiences and that resiliency that you see and like you can kind of see it as a case study of how people have adjusted to 
um, the decline of the golden age of the railroad and um, sort of their overall adaptations and res resiliency. Definitely, I think it's a time of transition. Mm -hmm. Sweet. All right. Well, that's all of our, our questions. Is there anything maybe we left out that you think is really important to be in there? No, I don't think so. Um, I think if people want to look further, a lot of the details about the Solano train ferry are found in different websites. I think I might have had a couple of my statistics might have been a little bit off. And if people want to research it for themselves, um, there's some very interesting Central Pacific Railroad websites and other information online about the Solano train ferry and have a look at my digital exhibit and look at the amazing photographs there of it. It was a, a wonder of its age. All right, well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank I enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Roundhouse Crosstalk, a podcast hosted by the California State Railroad Museum. This episode was produced by Amanda DeFazio, Jason Rankins, and Jacob Jennerjohn. For a link to the digital exhibit this podcast was based upon, please see the podcast's description. If you enjoyed the podcast, please remember to subscribe and review the podcast. It really helps us out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.